Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. War is not something that sits easily with most Christians. Certainly, though, there are times when many Christians have participated in wars and uh, done so with a great sense of the rightness of what they were doing. Others are conscientious objectors, such as Quakers and others, non-combat roles as stretcher bearers and medics. How do you reconcile war with the strong Christian belief, love your enemies? Reverend Tim Costello is the Ambassador at Large for World Vision Australia and is the head of MICA Australia. Of course, he's an ordained Baptist minister. Tim Costello, welcome to Open House. Lovely to be with you. You've spent the last many, many years looking at the world's most horrendous trouble spots, the consequences of war. And I think we discussed once before on this program, war never really achieves its aim, does it? Mm. No, I um, would give you two Martin Luther quotes, well, one Martin Luther, one Martin Luther King. Martin Luther, and I, this resonates with me, said, the war is, war is the greatest plague that can afflict humanity. It destroys religion. It destroys states. It destroys families. That's the great reformer. Martin Luther King sort of added to it. He says, a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual doom. So whether you're actively at war or whether you're even just always preparing for it, uh, there is profound costs. And yet, so a hundred years ago, we, we celebrate the armistice today. As peace descended in those battlefields of Europe and the Australians, so many countless, well not countless, but thousands upon thousands of whom lost their life right there. Can you imagine what was going through their mind as silence finally fell? And by the way, after 11am, a couple of people still got shot. Mm, I didn't know that. Opportunistic sort of, uh, yeah, we'll just take one more. Mm, Incredible, isn't it? You know, when when you think that excuse me, seem to be wired for war, you then step back and you say, why? Uh, I I think uh, patriotism is a very fine thing. I happen to love Australia. Mm. I love the culture. I love the people. I'm, I'm very patriotic. Patriotism doesn't then say, but my culture and my people are better than another culture and another people. Nationalism then gets into triumphalism and prestige. We are superior. That's why I often think the most important verse in the the New Testament is, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means no one's superior. No one's inferior. Uh, We can love our place without saying it's superior to another place. And uh, the First World War was really um, stirring up patriotic feelings into nationalism. It was uh, that war to end all wars, and we know it was only a, <laughs> what, a 24-year gap between the Second World War. And uh, this armistice, I think we really have to reflect on what is it in our nature that drives us to think we're superior and can use weapons uh, and go to war. That that. That warlikeness in us has to be has to be undone. Yes, one of the one of the theories of history, one of the ways in which history is regarded by some is that it's the action of individuals. So a powerful individual rises out of the fall of the Weimar Republic and and becomes the great dictator, and and so it, it's on again. Mm. And yet, it's not just. F- firstly, as you've said, 
all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus said, if you so much as hate a person, it's as good as killing them, in a sense. Yeah. Um, so, and then you look at how that people would go along with. Um, so, so history is really told in, in sort of bigger, bigger brushstrokes than just a few crazy individuals, isn't it? Absolutely. Look, uh, I'm sure because of your very educated audience, they've all been reading uh, Thucydides and the Peloponnesian Wars over the weekend. And, um, <laughs> I just finished it. That's really Greek. good, yeah. <laughs> good. Uh, I knew it. That, that ancient uh, Greek writing the... Uh, history of wars between Sparta and power said some very interesting things. So Sparta Sparta and Athens. Sparta and Athens were the great city uh, powers, and they went to war. And they went to war because uh, uh, Athens was the great power, not making way for a rising power, Sparta. I think America, the great power, and the challenge will make way for China, which now sees itself as a great power. And uh, Thucydides was saying, if great powers do not make way, then war is inevitable, not just individual leaders. Um, Germany's uh, manufacturing and GDP before the First World War, uh, which we celebrate the armistice at the end, had outstripped Great Britain. But Great Britain was the great power, and Germany wanted colonies and it wanted honour, much like... China wants to flex its muscle, and uh, Thucydides was warning that you have to you have to accommodate this. There's another little bit in Thucydides that uh, really really uh, touches me. Uh, on the way to fighting Sparta, Athens knocked off a small island state, the Miletians, Milos. Okay. And, and the Miletians said, "This is unjust. Uh, though you are big and we are small, we have our own laws. What you're doing is against the law." And uh, the Athenians said, no, 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 you've got to understand justice only exists between great powers. You are small, you will suffer what you must. We are strong, we will do what we want. Now, (laughs) for a small power like Australia, caught between China and America, (laughs) that's why you need international rules of law and international criminal courts and international rules of world trade. Otherwise, (laughs) great powers dictate justice against small powers, ultimately on their terms. So uh, uh, you may not have got to Thucydides, but I've found him helpful. <laughs> well, now we don't have to. That's a very... <laughs> thank you for the... For the... the, the guy for Simpletons, yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, Tim Costello is with us. He's the uh, Chief Advocate for World Vision and the Head of MICA Australia and, um, and a man who's thought deeply about this very next question. So is there such a thing as a just cause for which one would go to war uh, with a clear conscience before God. So I I think the problem with the just war theory, because it has limiting conditions, you know, it's proportional, you don't uh, target civilians, good conditions. The problem with the just war has always been the adjective just. <laughs> when is it just? And um, look, if you push me, Stephen, I would say... Uh, against my pacifist inclinations, probably the Second World War was just. We had to fight Hitler's machine. We made mistakes in allowing him to get to the power and prestige he got to, but those aside, once he had marched into Czechoslovakia, then Poland, and then the Japanese came in and bombed Pearl Harbor, uh, I would say, yes, even as a pacifist, we had to fight that war. 
but I think there are far fewer just wars than the 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 wars that have littered history. I think they've been more about nationalism and prestige, and we're superior. Mm. I think uh, the First World War, at one level, was a, a fight over colonies and wealth. Um, Germany and Great Britain, and uh, I think that was a tragic war and uh, sadly wasn't a just war in that sense. Yes, and you look forward then, I don't mean in the sense of anticipating with great joy, one looks ahead um, and realises that the way the industrial military complex kind of is running at the moment, it's moderately likely that if there's another major conflict then it'll be fought partly by robots and certainly at arm's distance, certainly from the trench warfare where you're looking the enemy in the face. And I was just hearing the other day, someone was reminding us how um, they had to deprogram Americans to fight in the Vietnam War because, and Australians too for that matter, um, because when you're right up with the enemy close, the natural human instinct is to preserve life, not to take life. Absolutely. Um, I just wonder then if technology makes it more likely we end up in in an ugly, in a worse conflagration in that sense, or a less moral conflagration. Yeah, I heard ex-president Jimmy Carter making this very point about drones. He was saying when someone in a basement in Colombia is taking out with drones uh, people's lives, often getting it wrong and civilians getting hit, hit. Mm. we have now so thoroughly desensitised because that person facing those people uh, with a rifle would actually have to say, wait a minute, they have the same hopes and fears as I do. I share humanity. The... The, the distance and the desensitisation is causing a lot of ethicists to say what you said, that uh, war becomes thinkable and doable and equally terrifying and devastating, but uh, it's just slipped up a notch in terms of uh, being thinkable. Mm. Well, now it's human beings who have a moral character exercised one way or the other and as Christians we would certainly um, believe that the best way to inform that moral character is to humble yourself before God. So how should Christians be praying through this period that we're in? Well I think Christians are really um, saddled with the words of Jesus. Uh, Even I find them very hard when he said love your enemies. You know if Jesus had said something useful like avoid your enemies (laughs) or uh, maybe try and now and then to tolerate them but he said love your enemies and I thought about why did he say that and I I believe Stephen he was saying uh, in the reign of God that has begun that he announced even your enemy carries the image of God and even your enemy is loved by God and so for Christians meditating deeply on that I think is very very important I think when we uh, start to get caught up by the old gods of blood and soil the gods of blood lead to racism the gods of soil to nationalism and these gods are they are voracious they demand human sacrifice and I mean them as gods in a serious sense I think they are spiritual powers that turn otherwise moral humans minds mad uh, uh, with a frenzy for uh, for uh, superiority and revenge and triumph. Mm. So I think uh, Christians spiritually really have to discern deeply Jesus' words. And, you know, it's difficult with Jesus because he's kingdom and he was crucified as the king of the Jews. He was the king, their king. He came and the whole world was to be blessed. But he 
He wasn't a king in the sense that the ancient world of today knows. He didn't control geography. He didn't have a military. He didn't actually uh, have, if you like, a rulership and a mandate. So we find this language difficult. But I believe his kingdom, which is a kingdom of peace, of love, even of enemies, is actually the true kingdom. Hmm. And that's where I think Christians have to have to remain. And we can be very confident that that kingdom will come to pass. Absolutely. I believe that kingdom is already beginning. Mm -hmm. It's seen in love and uh, sacrifice and service and, uh, uh, you know, humans who discover that the secret of happiness is not centered in themselves, Mm -hmm. it's in serving others, actually discovering that kingdom. And I believe in his return, that kingdom will be here on earth in its fullness. So that's what keeps me nurtured and in pessimistic days when at times this world seems on the cusp of madness i remind myself god is still passionately committed to this world he hasn't given up on it and uh, that kingdom nourishes me yes and almost to come full circle on the argument if we then commit ourselves to acts of reconciliation and redemption which ephesians tells us he's prepared works of service for us to do he's, he's prepared them for us to do if that's what we turn our attention to then that itself might be if everyone captured that that would be an antidote antidote for the for the need for war wouldn't it well i'm i I'm, i think it's wonderful you've quoted that you know ephesians um the verse before it says we are saved by by grace, by grace and by not faith. by works yes not by works and usually christians stop there and they say i'm <laughs> saved but we're 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 not saved by works but the verse you quoted is we are saved for good works yes. that's the whole purpose yes, saved it. by grace for good works and uh, that actually is the very heart of this kingdom of god reconciliation and redemption absolutely tim costello it's been a delight thank you so much that's a pleasure thanks Reverend Tim Costello of Micah Australia and Ambassador-at-Large for World Vision Australia. He's certainly seen more than his fair share of suffering uh, as a result of his role at World Vision. And what a great humanitarian he is. What a great Australian he is. Look, some real wisdom there. And, and don't forget all of these interviews tonight on our Remembrance Day special will be on our podcast page. Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.